Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how was your uh, holiday season? Whenever I say holiday season, I think DJ Drama just yelling holiday season. I actually <laughs> earlier today thought of that. So, um, yeah, how was your how was your Christmas and uh, holidays? It was good. It was good. It was uh, try to stay warm as possible. It's been a while since we've had a cold Christmas season, so that was that was unique. Uh, no, it was needed. I had, had a little break from state championships. Took a little break from sports in general, but I got back on it right after the right after Christmas. Uh, I saw you brave the cold weather with our with our buddy Matthew Bre- uh, uh, Brady Keen at uh who's a head coach at Bandera to go to uh, the mecca of basketball. Mecca. <laughs> The Convocation Center in San Antonio. <laughs> the Mecca. I yeah, I forgot. I didn't even have that written down in our, our rundown, man. Yeah, North yeah. Texas versus UTSA. I was in San Antonio. Uh, Brady calls me. He's like, hey, you want to go to the UTSA game? I was like, yeah, let's do it. He's like, all right. Courtside seats are $30. And I was like, <laughs> all right, let's do it. And so he, he got us tickets and we go. And we're literally like, I don't, I've never sat courtside to any sporting event in my life. And it's pretty cool. You're just there and you can like stick a leg out and trip somebody if you wanted to. And so (laughs) I told Brady, I was like, if Tyler Perry hits a corner three and starts running back, I'm sticking my hand out. I'm trying to give him a high five. And um, it never came to fruition. He missed a corner three late that I was going to, I was ready to do it, but it was a lot of fun. Shout out the convocation center for $30 courtside seats. Right. (laughs) The Mecca, the true Mecca. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, it was like you said, it was a cold front went through. It was like 20 degrees when I was running in there um, to the convocation center. And uh, we're back, thankfully, yep. over the past two weeks. Uh, not a ton of meaningful basketball has been played in the state of Texas. And now we can talk conference season, which is the real moneymaker. Yeah, I know. We're finally... We were kind of stuck in that, <clears throat> that, that uh, limbo area of the end of non-conference versus like everybody getting in some, some teams were on tournaments, you know, out in Bahamas or whatever. Some teams did to kind of get in the cold, the the warm weather, but some teams were also just playing teams that were not up to their caliber. And so we have nothing to really talk about from our last episode till the break. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I didn't, I didn't feel bad. I was like, Oh, I can enjoy the Christmas season and everything because there's not much basketball being played right now that, Right. Means anything except conference USA tipped off uh, their conference season on like December 20th and 21st but then they had like they didn't play at all during the Christmas break so now everyone's playing their second game as of last night so it was like mm-hmm. still there was a long break there um but I want to start with the big 12 um this is obviously our um where we go whenever we want to talk about big teams you know Texas sure. Baylor. Uh, Texas Tech, TCU, four four Texas teams in the Big 12. The best conference in the country, again, to get top Mm -hmm. to bottom as far as consistency goes. Ken Palm has them significantly higher than the Big 10, who's second. When you look at these four teams, you can pick which one we start with. Sure. But um, if you had to rank them, one through four, in terms of how much you trust them going into conference play, Mm -hmm. how would you rank them? Because this is an incredibly um, hard decision for me, and I don't know the answer. So I was go. about to say, this is like... Texas is like the default one, I think. I think. Yeah, but it's also like... I don't know. Like, it is, but it also like... You know, with the, with the whole head coaching situation, like, up in the air. Yep. You know, do you, it, it, basically you're saying... Like, but, I mean, 
basically we're arguing that Rodney Terry can just steer the ship, right? And so, like, I'm wondering how m- basically it, it's betting on when's the next time you're gonna have Rodney Terry like have to have to make a really big decision and like go again basically like against scott drew against a bill self can he out scheme can he out you know tactics those coaches right um which is a big ask but still as far as on the on the court goes you still kind of trust them to be what the second most talented robbie first or second most talented team barring what you think about kansas um in the big 12 so I'd probably. So you going Baylor one? I'd go Baylor one, Texas two. Close, but I'd go right now just because that. I don't want to discredit Rodney Terry, but it is like a lot of the reason why we picked Texas to be the best team potentially in the Big Twelve is because of the players as well as their head coach at the time. Um, so, man. Texas needs to find a way. I don't know what they have to pay or something, but mm-hmm. just to rent Joe, Joe Golding for a season. <laughs> <That'd> <laughs> I hope, awesome. nobody, hope nobody from UTEP is listening to this, but like if they could find a way, just be like, oh, hey, look, let's just pay UTEP like X amount of millions of dollars alone. And we'll just trade Terry back for Golding and then give him <laughs> back after the season. I like just that, a, loan, that, a loan spell. Yeah, for alone, Golding. alone. <laughs> Because, like, I would feel so much better if Joe Golding was the coach over here than Rodney Terry. Um, yeah. But so I, I actually think that's a really good point. Our, obviously, our questions with, with Baylor has still have not been answered because they haven't played, any, played anybody since December 2nd against mm-hmm. Gonzaga. We, like, said after that game, it's like, okay, we're not talking about them until conference play starts. Well, conference sure. play starts tomorrow. And since then, they've played Tarleton, Washington State, Northwestern State, and Nichols. So mm-hmm. – is the defense still a concern? Yes, they're still 40th in Kim Palm and defense. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, there's still plenty of worries I have with the front court of this team. Yeah. But you're right. They have Scott Drew here. They have veterans. They have players that um, are talented that can go toe-to-toe with Texas and force this to be a game where coaching matters. And mm-hmm. you've, you've, you've swung me. So I'll go Baylor one as well. Um, is right. Texas your two? Texas is my two. Um, mm-hmm. So to round it out, I'll go, I go Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, TCU. Um, I don't – this TCU team, man, I don't know. Like, we've been wondering for so long about this whole season about whether or not this team is going to actually be the team that finished the year last year, but they were also still the team that played in the regular season. Long story short with TCU, oh, man, have they played anybody? Like, like they've beaten teams that are like top fifty, right? Like they haven't played. They haven't the played Iowa win doesn't even mean anything. The Iowa win right. has, has gone down significantly since they right. won that game. So they've played like a decent schedule. They put they beat Iowa, they beat Providence, they beat Utah most recently. But like, okay, they haven't played anybody that's they haven't played anybody that's within the top ten, top top twenty five, I should say. Yeah. Um, and anybody that I would be like, oh, that's a good win, right? Iowa, you mentioned, has gone really down. Um, I guess Utah, maybe. I don't know. Like, for me, and the struggles that they had earlier in the year, they seem to fix a lot of that, right, against Pine Bluff, against Lamar, uh, losing to Northwestern State. They seem to fix that, which was really bad, looked really bad. But 
I don't know, man. Now you're going to go from facing Utah to facing Kansas and to facing Baylor. And so I have no idea. Texas Tech, you know, they, they have not looked like the exact team of last year. They lost significant pieces. Whatever happened with Fardaz Amac seems to be worked out now. <laughs> like, whatever. He was transferring. Now he's not transferring. Now he's on the court shooting, apparently. Yes, uh, a couple days ago they had they tweeted a photo of him. So, like, apparently he's potentially back at the end of the month. So, like – okay, cool, they may have shaken hands, made up, and maybe somebody threw him a bag. I have no idea what happened there. That was so weird. But, like, okay, now it's like, okay, now Texas Tech's getting back to full strength now. And they're starting to play they're, – they're weirdly starting to play, like, pretty good offense, and their defense is actually what's kind of slipped up a little bit. So I have no idea, but I would still trust them to fix that defense than I would TCU to kind of fix their problems. Two things. First, these two teams play tomorrow, Saturday, uh, December yeah. 31st, um, at TCU. So we'll know pretty quickly about these yeah. two teams. Ken Palm has a, T- has, a, has a TCU as a favor, which I don't agree with. The, the problem is, is that Texas Tech's strength of schedule to this point in the year has ranked 351st. Yeah. Okay. TCU has ranked 362nd. Like, the second easiest schedule in the country. Like, I don't know who mm-hmm. put together this TCU schedule, but literally they've played Pine Bluff, Lamar, Mississippi Valley State, Jackson State, Louisiana Monroe, and Central Arkansas. They've played six teams outside of the top 300 in Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Like, that is – that is it's, – it's it hurts my head to think about having to play those games if you're TCU coming off of the season – the end of the season you had last year, and then you're like, okay, let's get into this season. Okay, let's start off with Pine Bluff, Lamar, Northwestern State, Louisiana. And struggle with all of them. <laughs> and then struggle with them. And then you beat Iowa. You're like, okay, and then Iowa falls off a cliff. Yeah. And now I I don't know. Like I'm like you. I don't know what to hold on to here. And so I want to believe that they've figured it out. Uh, you know, defensively, they're 22nd in the country. They're still offensive rebounding at a pretty high clip, 18th in the country in that. But – Neither one of these teams has been tested very often, sure. and neither one of these teams has – like, they're not – in theory, TCU has more talent than Tech. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I like, think you're right. The fact that, like, Fardaz AMAC was basically their only big uh, uh, high-profile acquisition. Obviously, guys like Pop Isaacs have been – has been good for them, but, like, in terms of the uh, offseason, we really only saw Fardaz as their big get for Texas yeah. Tech. and I'm still – Call me, call me a hater. I'm still not sold on Davion Harmon at this moment. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's what, what's he averaging three on the season. Yeah, and he's uh, he's making twos at least. Twelve. He's yeah, averaging twelve and four, which is fine, right? They needed a point. They needed somebody. They needed a lead guard, and they've gotten one. But yeah. like, he's he was basically the other big acquisition, and it's like, okay, he's kind of playing like a decent player, but what is it? You know, what is is he is he could he be your second best player on a conference championship team? I don't see it right now. No. Um, but uh, thankfully they have Pop Isaacs who has come on and shoot shot 41% for three this year. That's Man, if they had him last year, that this team this team might yeah. have won the comp might have won the conference. So again, yeah, Harmon, Isaacs, O'Banner, Bacho as your yeah. really your core four, and then you kind of fill in around them with Williams and Tyson and so on and so forth. So it's obviously a good team, but mm-hmm. we'll know tomorrow how real they are because they got yeah. Got to go over to, to Fort Worth and play a T- TCU team. Um, mm-hmm. All right. 
Uh, let's let's do a quick temperature check of some teams and some conferences around here. Um, we look at Conference USA, and the only game I watched from this was North Texas. Obviously, I do, do the North Texas podcast, so yeah. North Texas loses a, uh, a heartbreaker. I'll call it a heartbreaker to FAU. <laughs> FAU. It was basically a top fifty matchup. You know, North yep. Texas and FAU, big game. Um, I think of all the games, I think it was ranked second by Ken Palm as far as like excitement rating goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and North Texas was thought it looked like they were going to do it. It looked like they were going to do. It. I don't have everything in front of me right now, but they were up like eight or nine with five minutes left, mm-hmm. and then the floor just kind of dropped out. Abu fouled out. Tyler goes down with a cramp with a minute left, mm-hmm. and it opens up the court for a three for FAU to take the lead, and so. Um, they lose 50 to 46. It was not a bad loss. Like I said, FAU is a really, really freaking good team. But, yeah. you know, it is a winnable game at home that you want them to win. Uh, yeah. Rice beats Western Kentucky. And UTEP goes to double overtime with UAB. Man, what a game that was. What do you want to start? What, what do you want to talk about with Conference USA? All right. Um, since it's still fresh on your mind, let's talk. Do you have concerns about that North Texas offense? Because that – was awful. Yeah. That looked yeah. that looked real bad. And you know, Ty, when did Tyler Perry went out late, right? Yeah, I mean, he cramped so, up with about yeah. a minute left. They hit a three. He missed the next offensive possession, and by the time he got back, game was over. So. so you you watched all this game. I only saw a little bit of it. Please tell me that Tyree Edie and Aaron Scott. Um, that that that. Please tell me that zero is a typo on their on their point scored. It's not. It's not. It's not for Matthew Stone either. Oh, um, man. who else didn't score? Did uh, Ruben scored? Uh, Jaden Martinez. I don't. Did he score? Ruben scored a total of eight points. Yeah. Kai Huntsbury four points. By the way, these are dudes that played 29, 23, 29, 27, mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Right. These yeah. are two starters or three starters. Sorry, Tyree Edie, Aaron Scott, and Kai Huntsbury. Combining for four points. Um, yeah, what is going on? Like, the weird one is, like, they're not shooting. Like, I think Kai Huntsbury had ten shots total. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Scott had two threes. And then Tyree Edie had three shots total, two threes. Like, is it just, like, a, a hesitancy? What did you kind of see there? Well, it feels like there's a, a few things here. I'll try to keep mm. it short. But basically, yeah. before last year, they were always a slow tempo team. Sure. But it felt like they still had a little bit more offensive freedom. Mm-hmm. Last year with Thomas Bell and JJ Murray, like like Coach Mack told us, right? It was like, all right, he had to really slow it down and just make it ugly and try to win games that way. Sure. So Thomas and JJ are gone. They replaced them with, you know, let's say Tyree Eady, who was scoring 10 points a game last year at North Dakota State, which is a good program. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a guy like Jaden Martinez, who was a good player. Uh, Kai Huntsbury was is a capable, was a capable, very capable scorer at his last stop. I think it was University of Mary. And they got more talent offensively on this team, but they still play like last year's team. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not pretty to watch because you're watching this team. You're like, okay, these guys should have more talent. They should be able to score the ball more efficiently, but they're playing like last year's team that couldn't score the ball. That was, you know, pretty ugly and um, 
you know, finished the year 116th in offense. But if you go mm-hmm. back two years ago, right, let's go to the 2020, 2020 season, yeah. they were 34th in offense. And, I mean, even 2021, they were 101st in offense, but they were 40th in field goal per- effective field goal percentage. Like, this year, they are 329th in effective field goal percentage. And it is a jarring, jarring change. And so that's the concerning part. Uh, the biggest thing for me with North Texas, if you want to look at this at a very, very surface level type thing, mm-hmm. is three-point shooting. 2020, mm-hmm. they were 17th in the country, three-point percentage. 2021, 36th in the country, three-point percentage. Last year, 59th in three-point percentage. This year, 296th. Sometimes it's yeah. about making shots in basketball. And they sure. cannot make shots. Is it, do you think that has to do with, we can kind of wrap up here, but do you think it has to do with like, you know, not having a natural kind of lead guard, you know, as opposed to, as opposed to somebody who's maybe asked, who is always asked to, or not always, he's only been there a couple of years, but has been asked to be just kind of a a secondary handler slash gunner now kind of asked to be a lead guard as opposed to like a JV on Hamlet, who obviously got his own shot, but also was able to just like move the offense. Yeah, um, the hope was I think that Kai Huntsbury would be able to take a lot of the pressure off Tyler. Mm-hmm. The same goes for Ruben, uh, Ruben Jones. Uh, yeah, but they just haven't they haven't been efficient at all on offense. Those two. Yeah, and so when it gets, you know, when it gets time to score, they just give the ball to Tyler Perry and get out the way. So um, right. Abu has been a lot better. Abu Usman, their their center, yep. he's been a lot better over the past few games. So, I mean, he he had thirty seven and like. 10 or something against UTSA. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was great. And he was good against FAU, but like it's literally just Tyler and Abu and nobody else sure. can score the ball. And it's, uh, it's, it's jarring because a few years ago, they had like James Reese and Mo Gibson and um, even Mardres McBride last year. So yeah, it's uh, I, I still think they're going to win plenty of games just because sure. like, like FAU barely beat them. Right, and FAU is a damn good team. Like they're gonna be fine against the, the Westerns and the FIU's, but it is uh it is concerning. It is definitely yeah. concerning. So yeah, um, kind of, kind of, you know, they'll still be, um, they'll still be around, or they'll still be um within the conversation. But like, it does make you a little hesitant to maybe put them as like a favorite above FAU, above mm-hmm. a UAB, things like that. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, it's something to watch, definitely. Yeah. Um, UTEP and Rice, it's hilarious if you pull up their Ken Palms. They're literally just the opposite of each other. Uh, yeah. UTEP is 325th in offense, but 70th in defense. Yeah. And then we already know about Rice. Like we've talked about Rice plenty of times. Rice is 102nd in offense and 265th in defense. Mm-hmm. Just, just flip them over. But they both had pretty good results. Uh, Rice gets a win on the road at Western Kentucky, uh, 81 to 78. And, you know, we had talked about it the entire season where we we're like, okay, well, check back with me with Rice whenever conference play starts because. Yeah, they pushed Texas that day after the Chris or the day of the Chris Beard incident, mm-hmm. but they hadn't played anybody since they getting beat down by Pepperdine and Middle Tennessee. Right. And they go on the road and beat Western Kentucky. I mean, that's a pretty substantial win. And then UTEP uh, loses in double overtime against UAB. I thought they were going to do it. I thought, I thought they were too. I will say those two play together tomorrow as well, UTEP and Rice. Yes. So that is going to be a very fascinating game because you have two completely different styles. Both teams kind of feeling themselves a little bit right now within those. So I'm 
I'm going to be very much paid attention, paying attention to that game because, yeah, it looks like – I mean, it looks like UTEP's figured – figured out this system man Shamar Givens has been kind of a revelation for them at that mm-hmm. point guard he's he's what did he have he almost had a double double yesterday against uh UAB he had seven steals <laughs> um he's been really good and I think a lot of these guys Tay Hardy somebody who's coming on as well and these are guys that you know that that uh, uh Golding talked about as being like big pickups for them um, so I'm, I'm very fascinated to see that game because I can see a clash of styles. And those, t- those kind of games are the most fun to watch for me because it's always like whose style wins out, right? Like mm-hmm. which one – does Rice have to play a grinded-out game or does, is UTEP forced to make a bunch of shots? Because um, UTEP showed, you know, against UAB, they were able to score a little bit because um, UAB was able to obviously get their shots up with, with Walker going for, what was it, 25 or something. Mm-hmm. And and so UTEP or Rice now coming off a big performance from them was 14 of 34 from three. Um, they finally were hitting, and so you know we'll see. Um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be paying attention to that one definitely. Do you have a pick? Ooh, right now <laughs> I'm gonna go UTEP right now. I'm okay, gonna stick I'm gonna stick too. with UTEP right now. Yeah, I, I Rice is. I don't know. Rice is like they're they're really interesting, but I don't know if I believe right now that they'll that they'll do it. So exactly, yeah. Rice winning that game and starting off two and zero in conference with two road <laughs> wins might force me to uh, get the damn shovel again, <laughs> just to pull pull them pull them more out of the dirt. Yeah, this is not what I wanted here. I was not <laughs> expecting to be in this situation, but I don't I don't I don't know. I think UTEP gets it done at home. Um, coming off I think so too. Game, so. We'll see. All right, to the whack. Stephen F. Austin beat Abilene Christian last night and uh, beat him by seven. I mean, that's a big game. That's two top, you know, two hundred teams, pretty much two teams that are going to be fighting at the top of the whack this season. It's funny yeah. if you look at the whack. You know, on on Kempom, they're the twelfth strongest conference of any. You know, of all the conferences, I think there's thirty two. Uh, you got Utah Valley, Grand Canyon, Southern Utah, SFA. Tarleton still um, all in that group. I mean, there's a ton of top 200 teams here. Basically, everybody's top 200 except UTA and RGV. Right. Like, yeah, with, with, with Utah, or sorry, with Sam Houston starting off as hot as they did, that kind of just like boosted the overall profile. Yeah. So um, that is going to be like we talk about Conference USA and how tight it is now that it's 11 teams. Like, well, the whack is very, very similar in that you have two teams. Yeah down everybody else is like like Abilene Christians or no Utah Tech and then Tarleton are the are the next lowest ranked teams and I don't want to play Tarleton Tarleton State in any capacity if I'm these teams so um SFA beats Abilene Christian I'm starting to get a little bit worried about Sam Houston State even though they're still ranked very highly in all the ratings and everything a little they got they got pummeled by Utah Valley which is concerning um Utah Valley looks – I mean, they still look like they could probably win the conference uh, again, uh, be one of the top teams again in the conference. Yeah, in the, Fardos in the, year, right? That was where Fardos Yeah, that's where, that's where Fardos came back. So they're they're kind of reloading. Um, I don't think UTA is going to have a great time in the WAC. Um, no. <laughs> they're, no. They're, they're in a rough spot right now. Um, but Sam – I mean, Tarleton, we mentioned Tarleton. Uh, I'm trying to think. Tarleton beat – yeah, they beat UTA. Um, to start their conference play. Yeah, I mean, 
this conference is like I'm looking at the Kempon projections right now, and this conference, the projection is Utah Valley right now at 13 and five, but right behind them, Grand Canyon 11 and seven, Southern Utah 10 and eight, SFA Utah, uh, SFA Tarleton and Utah Tech nine and nine, nine and nine, eight and ten. Like these are teams like within a hair of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is going to be a potential. They have Abilene Christian as third to last, but eight and ten. Like it is mm-hmm. such a tight race for this one. So I think the WAC is going to be somebody to a conference to keep an eye on. Um, yeah. Sam Houston, that was really concerning against Utah Valley, um, especially with how great they started uh, the year. Uh, Quay Grant played pretty well um, in the game still, but yeah, it's, it, they didn't really have much outside of him in that one. Uh, yeah. I think everybody else basically shot like below 30% from the field. Well, it's like, they start off the season obviously beating Oklahoma, beating Utah, and you're like, okay, this is this is awesome. And then they blew the yeah. doors off Northern Illinois and South Dakota, um, but they've played basically only three teams in the top 200 outside of those of uh, those first two wins, and they've lost right. all three of them. So Nevada and Oklahoma State and Utah Valley, you know, and all of them were by what 14 or more. So yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, it doesn't get any easier for Sam. Uh, like like we just said, the WAC is stacked top to bottom. So you have New Mexico State next, Grand Canyon, Tarleton, Southern Utah as your next four games, and uh, those will be those will be tough. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they can bounce back. Um, they're still shooting thirty eight percent from three and only forty four percent from two. Nice. What an interesting team this is. Um. <laughs> All right, we to move on. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, real quick, Houston, got to talk about them. I mean, they're the uh, – where are they in, in the AP poll right now? Third? I think they're third right now in the yeah. AP poll. Yep. Uh, first in Ken Palm, though, which is what really there's, matters. Yeah, they're still holding um, on to that. Beat Virginia while we were gone uh, December 17th. Uh, since then, they've beaten McNeese and Tulsa. So not a lot to talk about there. But they do have UCF and SMU as their next two games. And then Cincinnati, so – this is probably the tough stretch of the American. Um, mm-hmm. It's a shame SMU is not – I don't even think they're – Kim Palm has them 153rd in the country. I don't even think they're 153rd in the country. They're no, it's, five it's, eight right now. it's scary hours right now for them. For them. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not looking good. Um, they did beat Utah State um, over there in mm-hmm. Hawaii, and then they lost to Utah the next game. So, I don't know. They lost to Hawaii. Um, yeah, Hawaii. Sorry, Hawaii, Hawaii. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see if Houston can beat UCF. Uh, what is that? That's tomorrow. That's a big game. That's at home. I expect yep. them to get it done. They're going to be double digit favorites. Uh, they'll be d- double digit favorites in every game. Basically, they play the rest of the. I was week. about to say you. I can. I feel like you can put this team on pause until like Memphis or something. <laughs> like this, like the AAC is just not very good this year. Maybe Cincinnati, but like they're probably going to crush them too. Um, but like Memphis is the only team they have to worry about in the American right now. Yeah. And they don't play Memphis until February nineteenth. So, God, who was the schedule maker for them? They a raise, man. They don't get anybody. So it's like a, and I'm I worry, and we don't need to talk big picture about this too long. But like, I do worry they run the table or in the American, or they go sixteen and two, seventeen and one, or something. Sure. And they still like when it comes to seeding in the NCAA tournament, they still get the short end of the stick. Like they get a three seed or something like that. They kind like of do what they do, what they used to do with Gonzaga. Exactly. Like yeah. last year, Houston got well. They were a five seed. 
Yeah. And we're like, how are they a five seed? And they go on to make the Elite Eight. And you're just like, this right. is ridiculous. This could have all been saved if you just watched watched Houston basketball and understood like this team is legit. So right. um, we'll see. I do feel better now that they've beaten Virginia uh, mm-hmm. on the road. Mm-hmm. It's like that's a win you can hold up there. And even though Virginia, I think, lost you know, lost the game right after that too, it doesn't matter. It's still like you can hold that up and be like, hey, we beat Virginia on the road. Um, yeah, we lost to Alabama at home, but, you know, beat Oregon on the road. And then if they take care of business and conference, and, um, I think they'll be fine to be set up for a one or two seed in the tournament. But that is a long yeah. ways away. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, they have – I think they have quad, quad one wins. They'll have – they're projected to if they if they beat both Memphis Memphis and uh, UCF they'll finish roughly with one loss. I think um, um, Alabama will be their only loss, and so I think that'd be a if they take both games against Memphis and UCF. I think that would be enough to hold on to maybe a one. Yeah. Um, but you know that means they have to like you said they have to run the table more or less to hold on to that one seed. I think oh. I wouldn't be shocked if they look for ways to kind of knock them a peg if they drop a game they shouldn't drop in, in conference. I also forgot to beat St. Mary's. So yeah, that was a big one. It's 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 an interesting schedule. It's not like, you know, they didn't play a Duke schedule, right? But they still had they had Alabama, St. Mary's, and then who's and then Virginia. Virginia. And so like those are kind of it. But it's like, okay, they're two and one mm-hmm. in those games. You know, so it's not like they blew got their doors blown off when they played real competition. Yeah. Maybe Oregon picks it up a little bit. True. Really. Yeah bank on it but we'll yeah see. utah valley did beat oregon as well so utah valley is That's cooking with grease right now <laughs> all right um to the women's side uh we have to we have to start off with the game of the year <laughs> if you've been following the podcast you'll know what yes. game we're talking about december 19th at the fertita center i would have been there if it was in san antonio i promise you i would have oh i, I um, would have been there if it was in <laughs> December 19th, 11 a.m. Um, Houston and San Antonio, Houston and UTSA, a battle yes. of the best two win teams in the country uh, at the time. Yep. And um, since then, I don't think they've won a game since then. So I think UTSA is two and eight right now. Yeah. Uh, Houston is three and 10. Still, some of the best teams in the so, country at three or less wins. This uh, they is the instant classic we wanted. Battled it out in the Fertitta Center, and Houston yes. ends up taking a, an overtime win over UTSA, 93 to, eight, 93 to 89. I mean, what Ooh. a classic. What a game. Shout out to everybody involved. I, I don't have anything else to say here, but, I mean, Jordan, Jordan Jenkins, Jenkins went off. I was about to say, Jordan Jenkins went off in this one, man. <laughs> that was awesome. She was, she was unga- – like, I will say credit to – UTSA because a lot of the issues I've seen with UTSA is like not being able to get her the ball in like yeah. effective positions or things like that. She, I, I don't know if this was just a thing Karen Aston hinted at. She was like leading runouts and like they were like feeding her like pretty good passes on the fast break and she was finishing some stuff where she was behind the defense. And so I, uh, this was a lot of fun to watch, man. This is ex- literally the game we hoped to see because we were like, okay, on paper, these teams are better than they've looked and the record and they should be competitive with each other. And so sure enough, I mean, my God, that was awesome. (laughs) I mean, UTSA literally ends the game shooting 53% from the field. Right. And that's compared to Houston's 42%. They had 35 fast break points, 54 points in the paint, 27 points off turnovers. But 
they had 36 turnovers themselves. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say they turned the ball over a ton. <laughs> they had so oh, many turnovers. Oh, God, dude. So what was like... it? Jordan Jenkins, seven. Kira White, seven. Sydney Love, six. Madison Cockrell, six. And she only played like 19 minutes. So, like, geez. oh, my goodness. That is the assist to turnover ratio of 11 to 36 is. And Houston got to the damn line. 34 free throws for Houston. Uh, Jordan Jenkins, four. Alyssa Coleman fouled out. Madison Cockrell fouled out. Uh, Kira White, four fouls. Deborah uh, Nwakama, four fouls. My God. (laughs) Oh, I mean, they also got to the line. Uh, UTSA shot like 25 free throws. So it was was not the prettiest game to watch, but um it was nonetheless very competitive from what we what we expected to see from two teams that we were pretty we were pretty comfortable yeah. with. Houston was up twenty five to ten at the end of the first quarter. UTSA. I was about to say Houston was up like fifteen for sixteen for a good while and UTSA <laughs> kind of battled back into it. And uh UTSA outscores them in every other quarter and then loses in overtime and then so there we have it. But had to highlight the game of the year. Um had to highlight the game of the year there. Um and then UTSA loses to to Louisiana Tech, 62-57 to in conference play uh, on Thursday. They got UAB at home. Uh, these are both mm-hmm. home games. They got UAB on, on Saturday. Yeah. Would like for them to win one of these games. Um, it still just feels very raw and very, like, new, all of this. So mm-hmm. I don't – I don't know. I don't know what to expect from UTSA. Uh, Houston went on yeah. and lost to Washington State after that game. Big game tonight. Houston plays SMU. Uh, at home at the Fertitta Center. Um, SMU is, like we, we've talked about them before on the podcast, they are uh, very solid this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Houston can get it done, but I do know that Houston will keep it close at the very least. Yeah, I think so. The one thing, so we, we kind of had marginal expectations for UTSA this year. The one thing I'm really starting to slide under to the to the really concerned part Um is this team just turns the ball over so much? Yes, <laughs> they turn like you mentioned it. Thirty six against against Houston, but they average average over twenty. <laughs> okay, um, they shoot the ball fine. Their field goal percentage is I think forty two is a forty yeah to forty two percent as a team, which is about slightly above middle of the pack in the country. So it's yeah. fine. Um, they don't shoot the ball great from three, which, okay, whatever. When you have Jordan Jenkins and a lot of inside players, you can just dominate in the inside, and you're a good rebounding team. Um, so that doesn't concern me too much. But the organizing the offense is clearly the issue right now because they can set, they can score when they get the ball in positions. They just can't get the ball in those positions. Um, yeah. Let me see. I'm trying to think. Turnover rate, they're 304th in the country in turnover rate. Assist to turnover ratio, 0.6, 255th. So, again, that is the that is the big concern, and I'm going to you know, capitalize concerns, big capital C concern. Um, yeah. The thing that really is going to hurt them this year, I think, um, and I'll put hurt in quotation marks, right? I think this is going to be a middle-of-the-pack Conference USA team at best still. Uh, next year we'll start talking about expectations. But yes. um this is going to be what when they look back on this year, they're going to be like, man, we that was the big glaring weakness um, when it came to potentially being able to upset some teams that we maybe 
think they should be or could be able to upset. I'm not saying they could beat Rice, but like they could be able to hold on to a game with Rice for a little bit. Um, they're going to look back and say, yeah, we gave up 25 turnovers to <laughs> to one of the best mid-majors in the country. So, I um, All right, we got to talk about UTEP and Rice here. UTEP women's basketball continues to roll. They're 9-2 and two now, 2-0 two yep. in conference play, just beat UAB by 18 points. UTEP and Rice play tomorrow. Mm-hmm. All right, this is this is the game. However, Rice was nine and zero at one point. And I was saying to rank them, and I think They've that lost. maybe they they might have played that too much in the locker room. They might have been like, you know, what? we deserve to be ranked. Matthew <laughs> Rooney says we deserve to be ranked. They they had it. They had the they had the tape going in the locker room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they drank the Kool Aid. Yeah, <laughs> drank the Kool Aid, and uh, then they start off conference play zero and two. They lose to Middle Tennessee, who's Middle Tennessee's always good. West sure. Kentucky though has not been good this year. Right. West Kentucky, I believe, was three and six, four and eight, some, somewhere around that, and loses to them at home. Mm-hmm. And now you're zero and two in conference. Now you have UTEP, and now you're in danger of going zero and three in conference. And this is a team that was nine and zero and had beat TCU and A and M and Houston and Sam Houston and St. Mary's and SFA and like they, it wasn't a fluke they were nine and zero. Right, right, right. And then they start off 0 2. And now I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. You, you got to beat UTEP now, in my opinion. Like, you don't have to, but to me, you have no, I, to. No, yeah, no. I mean, 0 3 in conference, regardless of, you know, what we think this team still is, this is pretty concerning. I mean, against Western Kentucky, they gave up the three ball pretty easily. Um, they turned, I think they had 19 or 20 turnovers against, against Western Kentucky and that kind of. Mm-hmm. You're not going to beat any team, really, if, even if you're more talented than them. Um, the bigger concern for me was against Middle Tennessee. They couldn't stop anybody. They, I mean, I think Middle Tennessee shot 46% from the floor, 56% from two, and they didn't turn the ball over, but they just couldn't get any stops. Um, they got beat on the boards and that was the more concerning one for me because again, Western Kentucky, you could lose to a less talented team if you just give up a bad shooting night, right? If they just get hot from three, I think what they shoot. 44% 44% Western Kentucky did from three. So it's like, okay, like that's hard to beat any team. Um, but yeah, the, when you just get beat on the inside, when you just can't, I'm, I'm trying to think, uh, Courtney Whitson, Savannah Wheeler, and Kinesia Malashka, um, 22 points, 18 points, 21 points, right? And you just got straight up, you got beat. Um, Malia, uh, Ashley Austin went four of 11 from the floor. Malia Fisher went five of 16 from the floor. And so that'd be the bigger concern for me because against another good team, you just kind of got beat on the floor. So, yeah, I UTEP started off really well. Um, and so I'm, I'd am i be very fascinated to see, especially with that guard play that's been kind of um, their bread and butter so far. They've uh, UTEP's really found something in, in those two guards. So, yeah, I'm, I don't want to say I'm concerned, but that's I'm definitely going to watch that one. Um, because that's going to be a very fascinating game to see which the trajectory of each team. All right. Um, I realize now that we did not talk about the Texas A&M men. So we'll just include both Texas A&Ms and and women. Yeah. Okay. Final segment here. Um, I texted you and I said, guess how much South Carolina (laughs) was being Texas A&M by (laughs) in the beginning of the fourth quarter. I said, how much do you think? He said 30. And I sent the Kobe gif and it said more. 
<laughs> the 45 and I said that's about right. It was 44 at the time. The game in 76 to 34. And uh I'm Janiah Barker's still not back. Yeah. Um, which is cool that that is an excuse. I'll give you that. But uh if even if Janiah Barker was back, you're still losing this game by I was about to say you may lose. Points. I was about to say you may lose by 30 instead of what, like 44. <laughs> um this team is not good. I was I was wrong because I thought that there was something there with Janiah Barker and Sidney Bowles and sure. you know they had some bigs and Aaliyah Patty and Jada Malone. It's like the, you you hear these names, you're like, okay, there's there's pieces to work with here. And I'm um I still think that coaching wise they're in a better place moving forward. Sure. Um obviously just because you know the whole Gary Blair thing, it felt like he was ready to retire. So cool. You're in a good position coaching wise, and then you bring in this talent and you're like, okay, cool. But then it's just been all the way brought back down to earth. Um, they're five and six now. Mm-hmm. They're going to get beat in by most a lot of con- uh, SEC teams. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but uh, me being Probably most. <laughs> in the SEC country now, it's like they got Florida not beating Florida. Then they have at LSU. That game could look a lot like the damn South Carolina game. I just mm-hmm. I just watched LSU beat Arkansas by twenty, and Arkansas is a lot better than A and M. Um, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Alabama. It's just like I don't know how many wins are there are here ish, and I'm I'm scared. I'm scared. I don't want to. I don't want to have to bury this team because I thought they were actually going to be good. This um, team, this offense stinks. <laughs> so they can't shoot. Like they just can't. I don't know. Their defense is fine, competitive, right? They're it's they're athletic, and so they can kind of make things difficult against the non South Carolina teams. Um, but they haven't shot. They've shot over forty percent as a team once since November twenty third. Yeah. Right. It is scary yeah. how bad they've looked. Um, and again, I don't know how much is going to get better because, like, even if Janiah Barker comes back, okay, that's still a freshman, right? Like, that's still like you're still relying on a young team to kind of just like take their lumps and. That's kind of where I'm at right now with this with this team is just, yeah, you just got to hope this team can just take their lumps and not get down. And by the time we're looking at late February, you're looking at a team that's at least putting up better results. I'm not saying they're going to beat South Carolina, but like, okay, let's close. Like what was, it was, it'd be very similar to, we, and we can transition to the men, but it'd be very, very similar to Buzz Williams first year at A&M, right? They're getting beat in the regular season. And you're like, what is this team? And then by the time conference play closes, you're like, okay, they're all, they're maybe upsetting Kentucky. They're upsetting so-and-so. They're battling and looking better. And that's kind of where I'm at with this A&M team, where it's like they're probably going to finish up below 500. Um, but at this time, you got to hope that by the end of the year, you're looking at a team that is looking like night and day compared to where they were. Yeah. Um, on the men's side, the men are now 7-5. and five. Ken Palm sells mm. them 74th. Yeah. Um, Feels generous to me a bit, uh, considering that they lost to Wofford, lost to Memphis, lost to Boise State. Uh, left, I lost see a lot of AM fans on Twitter getting a little fed up with the Buzz Williams experience right now. I would, I would be too if I lost to Wofford. If I lost to Wofford, I mean, um, I watched Wofford play LSU and they they gave LSU some fits, but I also didn't think I don't think LSU is the best team ever, even though they just beat Arkansas. Right. It's like our AM, and the bigger concern for me is that. <laughs> The SEC is pretty wide open if you look at, like, the middle of it. Sure. Uh, you have, like, your Tennessees and Alabamas, uh, Arkansas is at the top. But 
outside of that, everybody else is in like this range of teams from like 20 to like, you know, in Ken Palm and other metrics, like the 20 to 70 range. Mm-hmm. And LSU just beat Arkansas. Yeah. And Ole Miss just pushed Tennessee. And so now, even though Texas A&M had a bye for the first week, and so they don't play their first game until um, January 4th, which is Florida, mm-hmm. this team's going to have to show me something or else they risk getting lost in the shuffle and just going to falling to the bottom because the rest of the conference yeah. is like – the rest of the conference isn't great, but right. it's good. It's good enough to where if A&M doesn't step up and can't be better than what they've been to this point in the season – they're going to fall behind and they're going to fall into that ranks of Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Georgia. Like you're going to fall into that group. And that's what I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. Here's my thing with, and I think this is where AM fans are probably most justified with their criticisms of Buzz Williams. Where are the guys at? Like, where are like the guys at? Like, I like Wade Taylor. I like Tyrese Radford. I like Henry Coleman. Great but like, are those players that can lead you to an sec title i think i think wade taylor is right so he's somebody who can be part of a conference championship team is what i'm saying but like you're seeing texas you're seeing lsu i'm talking about regional rivals right lsu arkansas recruiting the hell out of everywhere right who's the guy that buzz williams is like we got him you know, is it Wade Taylor? Wade Taylor was good at Lancaster, but he wasn't like a showstopper, right? He's kind of been – I think that's been more credit to Wade Taylor's development as opposed to, like, what he was coming out of high school. Like, who – I don't. I have no idea. Like, I don't – that's where I'd be more concerned if I was an A&M fan, right? Because he cleared out the roster, right? He brought in his guys, and they've looked – yes, they looked better. But they're still nowhere near where you would expect – somebody like an AM to be who puts money into the program who wants to be a, near the near the top of the sec and you see lsu clear house and bring in you see them building in the future right you see arkansas within a couple years all of a sudden nabbing top five recruiting classes you see texas more or less doing the same within two years and obviously we'll see what they are going forward but you get what i'm saying what is a&M building there, right? Because I don't know. I, I haven't looked at their 2023 or 2024 class, but I haven't seen them nailing blue chips, right? Or like in the conversation for blue chips. Um, and so, yeah, I don't – that to me, that'd be the most evidence I would need if I'm an A&M fan to be like, well, what are we paying him this much money to like hold on to, right? Because that'd be, that'd be the argument. If he was bringing in a top five class, be like, oh, okay, you know, yeah, let's hold on to him. He's going to bring in this great class, and we'll see where we go from there. He's, he's not doing that. Um, it's more or less like holding on to Wade Taylor and Henry Coleman and trying to <laughs> trying to see what they can do. Um, and eventually, you just got to say, hey, let's, let's build something pretty special here. And it doesn't seem like he's doing that. Man, that's, that's a great point. It's a great point because yeah. it's like the whole thing coming into this season was like, all right, they return everybody. Right. And they, they were good. They made the NIT championship game. It's like, all right, this is a team that could take a step forward. But at the end of the day, in college basketball, you have to have players at some point. You got to have guys mm-hmm. that can change, um, you know, change. And the more, sometimes the more than one, right? Unless you get like a top overall recruit, 
like I said, I think Wade Taylor could be the uh, a starting player on a conference championship team. But he, I don't know if he can be the best player on a conference championship team, which is what they need him to be every night right now. Yeah, and uh, Tyrese Rafford, Henry Coleman, fine players. Nothing good. wrong yeah. with them. Upperclassmen guys, cool. But they are what they are at this point. And that's kind of what this A&M program is, is they are what they are. And I came into the season being like, you know what? A&M, I think, is going to be – I probably had them i didn't fill out a ballot or anything but i probably would have had them as like the seventh team in conference six seven team in conference mm-hmm. if they make the six or seven team in conference if they're the sixth or seventh best team in conference by the end of by the end of february i will be shocked right i do not see a way in that which that happens and so now we go back and like like you said this isn't buzz Williams first year or second year this is his fourth season and yeah. the personnel for the most part has stayed stagnant like it is well below what you need to be a top four team in the SEC, well below right. that standard. So now I'm looking at, I'm going to look at, I'm going to bring up really quick the top 23 players for, or top, uh, the top Texas players for 2023 and 2024. Obviously, 2023 is mostly figured out. Um, so here's the top five I'll rattle off commits to Texas, Washington, Kansas, Arizona, Houston, right? If you want to extend a little more, Pitt, TCU, Michigan State, Rice. Uh, and Malik Presley's uh, ten, who and I don't, and I believe he released his top five, and and yeah. AM's not on it, right? Twenty twenty four, Trey Johnson, the number one recruit in twenty twenty four, is in Lake Highlands. Overall recruit, by the way, AM is not on his list, or just at all, right? I don't think they even offered him technically. Actually, they did offer. Okay, so they have an offer, but they're not in like the conversation for him. Yeah. Again, like what? What is this, right? Like I'm looking at uh, Jared Jared Harris at Silsby, right? Silsby is in the vicinity. I'm not. It's not near an A and M, but like it's in the vicinity. Yeah. You should be able to recruit yeah, the Golden Triangle of Houston. Yeah, nah. he's not. They're not in the conversation for him. And so, like, okay, cool. You're you're offering these guys. Yeah, cool. Of course you're gonna offer them, but like, are you gonna get them? I have no idea. And <laughs> um. Go back to that 2023 class, uh, yeah. the last time you had with uh, who was the commit to Washington? I've already forgot his name. Uh, it was Wesley Yates from Beaumont Wesley United. Yates. And his and LSU was in the final two. I, I think they came in second for him. They came in second because that was yeah. the whole thing. We we're following him in his recruitment. It was LSU and Washington mm-hmm. for a while. And so they end up going to Washington for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I think his uncle works on the staff or something like that. Something like that. Um, yeah. but still, LSU was in that conversation for that for that type of player, right? And LSU, mm-hmm. um, even in the last class, brought in the thirty, I think a, a top forty player, and then a top seventy player. It's just like it. You got to start picking up players like that at some point. Like you can be the best Ron, coach in the world. Ron Holland, who's going to Texas, Arkansas was in the conversation for him, yeah. right? These are people around you. And then eventually, obviously, Texas is going to be in the same conference. And so I, I just – I don't know. I feel like if this is the trajectory of AM, I just don't know how you can justify holding on to them because, like, you're falling behind. You just are. See, yeah, significantly. And so that's – it's it's a good point because you have to at some point start having big picture conversations because this is year four. This is mm-hmm. not year one. This is year four. This isn't even year two, yeah. year three. And so I have no clue what the contract situation is, but you can't say he hasn't had a fair shake. I don't think they fire him after this year unless if it goes really, really wrong. Like, right. what would it take? It would probably take a five and thirteen conference season. I was about to say it probably. I think. I mean, below. honestly, below five hundred probably in conference. Oh, I don't know. Then he's gone. Then I don't think they're. 
I, I, I probably have them in the seven win range right now, if I had to guess. Ken Palm has them seven That's eleven fair. in conference. Sure. I, I think like because like if you if you go from winning the NIT to going below five hundred because like you would think the standard would be okay hey get back to the tournament now yeah, right like the tournament and so like okay if you miss the tournament and let's say they miss the NIT as well I, I what are you what are you holding on to you brought everybody back they've never made the tournament under him right no they never have I think the twenty I think that twenty twenty year they could have. I couldn't remember how they went that year. With no, COVID, they went sixteen and fourteen. Two in twenty twenty, they went eight and ten. Okay, 21, yeah, 27 twenty seven and thirteen last year, which was inflated by the tournament runs that they had. Um, yeah. and I think the bigger thing is he's also not like the most likable personality. Like he's not like the most fluffy guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. like Buzz Williams is kind of he can be kind of a, a prickly character. So I think that also won't earn him <laughs> a lot of friends. And if he's trying to like. A pitch to keep his job for the future i mean this is i'm just scrolling through right now like obviously yeah i'm i'm young to the point where i remember you know like the 2015 year the 2014 year 13 or whatever but like i didn't yeah. cover it in that way sure. but they were consistently good yeah. every year like this is um and so i feel like that gets lost a little bit because like buzz williams is a name but yeah. like, it's not. It's unacceptable how bad they've been. Like it is unacceptable it really is. this four year stretch, um, how bad they've been. And so if they go, they, if they go six and twelve in conference this year, I think there's plenty of grounds here to to move on. If nothing else, just because they're tired and they can't fire Jimbo Fisher, it's like all right, we're gonna fire. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna fire someone. Damn it! Someone's getting fired for this damn the, the seasons that we're having right now. This is ridiculous. Like, we gotta fire someone, damn it! Some, someone's got to be gone. Uh, I mean, it was Gary Blair left on his own. We didn't get to fire him. I mean, <laughs> so, like, literally, they, they he, took, bad. he took the he took the 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 fire away from him. And he's like, now, damn, yeah. we're gonna fire him. Why did he retire? <laughs> Because after that, yeah. So I'm just like sitting here, uh, wondering. It's like you, AM is man, AM athletics is in a really, really challenging spot right now, just with all everything. Um, yeah. from as far as just the football, men's basketball, women's basketball goes, those three sports. Um, I don't even know how good they are at baseball, but regardless, it's like, they are the TCU country baseball, so a little bit, they're fine. Okay, so they're happy. I forgot, I forgot his name. Yeah, but uh, but it's also like I don't know who they go get after, right? Like, there's, I don't know. Like, I really don't. Like, Buzz Williams was kind of like, was yeah. in a way that guy that you go get, right? When he was playing yeah. Virginia Tech, um, and so it's like, okay, now you got to kind of get a little creative. Maybe somebody who didn't coach at A and M before in the past, um, which of course Buzz Williams had the ties to to A and M, so. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it isn't that – I guess that doesn't help that conversation towards, like, well, what do you do now, right? But in my opinion, you just – you figure it out, right? You have you have the money, and you just figure out what you do next because you shouldn't be able hard. to bring in – No, right. This I was about to say, it isn't that hard. You can't have the fear of the unknown. Yeah. All these teams are just – Missouri's out here fighting beat, – beating Kentucky by 20 right. with Dennis yes. Gates, first-year head coach. Like – Right. Florida consistently decent every year. It's like this isn't that hard. It doesn't matter. Your Auburn, Bruce Pearl is awesome. Like they're they're winning over there. Like it does. Location A is already not a big deal. But you're in 
you're an hour from Houston. Yep. Like this, this isn't that difficult. You have money, more money than all the programs that I just named pretty much, especially yeah. just don't there. pull a Georgia and hire your rivals coach who they want to yeah. fire anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. But I'm just saying like, this isn't rocket science here, right? AM yeah. has money. They have location. Um, they have a little bit of, I'm not saying they have national championship history, but they've been good. Um, yeah, they've been good. I was yeah, about to say, I remember AC AC Law in my memory is like as prominent as like TJ Ford, right? Like I remember him, but yep. him going toe to toe with Kevin Durant. I remember yep. that game, right? They have mm-hmm. a history at A and M of being good at basketball. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, this should be a, a program that it shouldn't be settling for this. Like if this was, if this was, well, I can't say if this was football because they're literally going through the same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the difference is he's not on a Jimbo Fisher contract. So they should not have any hesitation. If Jimbo Fisher was making what Buzz Williams was making, he'd be gone yesterday. <laughs> so I was going to be gone after the App State lost. Yeah, right. Exactly, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, if the contract should not be an issue because they're clearly – if they're thinking about firing Jimbo Fisher, which obviously they're not going to, but if they were thinking about it, they can fire him. They can fire 15 Buzz Williams on his contract. <laughs> I don't even know the I don't even know Buzz Williams figures. It's probably like three or four million, which is like good money, but it's like you got ninety million over here buyout or just you know, we're not I was about to say the, like, like, you mentioned, here. like you mentioned, they, they want to fire somebody. <laughs> fire no, somebody. I, I don't I don't talk I don't have AM friends, but I'm right. just assuming that if I was an AM person and I couldn't go to a football game or a basketball game, men's or women's, and watch a decent product, right. I'd be I'd be livid. Live it. You'd be firing somebody. You'd be firing somebody. Someone's getting fired. Someone's getting fired. I want to enjoy. See, if you're Texas, you can take your frustrations out on the fact you got one of the best basketball teams right now in the country, right? Men's and women, right? Okay, cool. You lost the Alamo Bowl. I'm going to go watch the men and women play good basketball. You can't can't have both. You just can't have both because when the season ends, you got to have a solace somewhere. You got to have relaxation somewhere when one season ends. So, yeah, if you're AM, you got to, you got to, Think about your mentals, man. <laughs> Think about your The crazy thing is, and uh, to wrap this up, it's like, yeah, I really think AM has one of the easiest SEC schedules out there. Like, they only play Tennessee right. once, they play Alabama once. Um, do they play Arkansas twice? Okay, give them that. But like, they start off conference play with Florida, LSU, Missouri, South Carolina, Florida as their first five games. There's no reason bad. they shouldn't, they should go three and two in that stretch, pretty much, if, if right. this team is decent. So that that's all. That's all. You got three of those games at home. It's like those first five games will tell us everything we need to know. If this team is going to be a seller dweller down there, they go one and four in that stretch. Or even if they, even if they go two and three, like let's just say they beat South Carolina and Florida once, and they lose mm-hmm. to LSU and um, Missouri and Florida in the other game, it's like still that's not enough because then you get into Kentucky, Auburn as your next two games, and then it just starts to ramp up a little bit. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll but, see. Yeah, that was that was a long one because I didn't expect. I guess we didn't expect A and M to be in the conversation for like being bad based on how they ended last year. Yep. But they kind of looked a little, little average. They've looked bad. They've looked bad. Yeah. I mean, their best win this year is against SMU. Well, DePaul. They beat DePaul. So shout out to Paul. Sure. And Loyola Great. Chicago. That three game stretch right there of Loyola Chicago, DePaul, SMU. Um, as much as I want to praise it. You're not facing those teams in the SEC. I'm sorry. Even right. though I don't like I don't think LSU and Florida are great this year, 
you're going to have to play a lot better. So we'll see. There's a good uh, 15 minutes on Texas A&M. That was fun. I was about to say, that might be the podcast uh, subject right there. <laughs> Make a whole new podcast just talking to A&M there. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. They, they, like I said, they don't play conference. They, they have a bye on their first slate, so they don't play until January 4th. Um, yeah. The women, like I said, got stomped by South Carolina. They got Florida on the first and LSU on the fifth. I will be at that LSU game. So get to see this team in all its glory there. All right. That's all we got for y'all today. Hope y'all enjoyed it. We're back. Um, we'll be back on a consistent schedule. Hope y'all had a uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, hope y'all have a safe and happy new year. We appreciate the support of the podcast. Um, leave us five-star rating wherever you're listening to us, Apple, Spotify. And subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Uh, go check us out over there. We appreciate uh, y'all. You can follow us on, on Twitter at Matthew Green underscore and at Ishmael R. Johnson. It's basketball season, conference season, the most, uh, the second most important time of the year, tournaments obviously first. Um, but we're happy to be back, and we will talk to you all later.